welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Matthew West. He's a second lieutenant and an intelligence officer in the U.S. Marine Corps and an author. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm excited to talk today. Um, hopefully give some uh, some knowledge to your viewers. Absolutely, absolutely. And we will be talking about Generation Z and the military recruitment in the USA. But I'm sure a lot of this will answer a lot of questions in other parts of the world, including in India. So, Matthew, first to understand, in, the, in your book's name, if I understand, is We Don't Want You, Uncle Sam. And yes, sir. Uh, in, right. In the U.S., earlier on, if I understand, Uncle Sam used to be almost like a mascot for recruitment in the U.S. Army. And now people don't want the Uncle Sam to be there anymore. There is a, a certain concern about military recruitment. And that is where your book comes into the picture. Help us understand the backdrop of the book. Let's help us understand what exactly is happening, what exactly is almost reaching a crisis level in terms of enlistment in the U.S. Army. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that introduction. I'm excited to give an overview of the book and uh, also talk about Generation Z, which I think a lot of your audience will find particular value in. So, yes, you're, you're very correct. Uncle Sam was the famous slogan, uh, the initials U.S. for really the U.S. government. And in World War I, uh, the most famous recruiting poster for the military of all time was a a finger where he was pointing and saying, I want you for U.S. Army. Um, just some background, the United States military, right, which is the largest employer in the world, uh, certainly the largest employer in the United States, more than uh, roughly 2 million plus people. Uh, every year is a volunteer force. In the United States, we don't have a draft like we used to. In the 70s in Vietnam, 1973, exactly 50 years ago, the draft ended, conscription ended, and it became a volunteer military. So the only way that we sustain our military is to continuously have people join. And it's public knowledge and, and some really interesting news coming out that this past two years, we've had a really bad recruiting crisis. Generation Z, which is what Pew defines as those born between 1997-ish um, and 2012, uh, are not joining the military. They're not joining in the same numbers. After the September 11 attacks, the past 15 years, there was a big swell of patriotism. There was high enlistment rates in the military that has dipped now, uh, and there's not enough people joining. So it's frankly becoming an issue. There's a lot of discussion uh, of it going on in Washington, D.C., and people are trying to figure out what's going on. So I came as a young um, second lieutenant, which is the lowest officer rank, and decided to write a book about my perspective, my younger person perspective of what's going on and how the military can change, American society could potentially change uh, to, to increase recruitment among Generation Z. Uh, particularly interesting for your viewers, the book itself really analyzes 21 um, aspects of Generation Z, of American youth, of Generation Z, which is the next largest group of consumers that are going to be coming to the American market. So there's a lot of interesting uh, facets of who we are as a sort of generation, what we like, what interests us that I think are pertinent to really anyone, even if you don't have a particular interest in military recruiting. Right, 
Right. So what, what is happening exactly? You have said that there is this problem. Why, what is, why is this problem about uh, all about? You talk about mismatch fundamentals, divergent beliefs about the workplace and other social cultural influences that have contributed to this, you know, to this problem. Help us understand this means what have you gained during your research, uh, during the writing of your book? What it is that we must know because then I will come to the marketing part. Also, a lot of companies want to understand this generation Z that you call, we call it generation Z, you know. So what is that that goes in the minds of this particular? And also there, there is this word called Zoomers. What is it that Zoomers are all about? Yeah, so so Zoomers and, and Zers, we can use interchange, interchangeably. So military specifically, uh, there's a knowledge, a trust, and an identity gap between the generation and the military. So the knowledge gap is not enough uh, Zoomers understand. Uh, sorry, not enough Zoomers know about what a life in the military is like, what they can do with their time in the military, how they can grow um, by joining the United States military. So there's a, a lack of knowledge. There's uh, an identity gap. They don't see themselves as the uh, someone to be in uniform, right? The amount of people in the United States that have served in uniform has been decreasing ever since really the end of the Vietnam War, right? It's become a very professional military. Certain families become basically military families where they have, you know, fathers served, uh, ch children served, etc. Um, so it doesn't spread to the large population like it used to where in World War II, you know, everyone had a family member that was serving, right? And then uh, the trust gap, there's been uh, some some pain in the military community via uh, treatment during uh, the past Iraq and Afghanistan wars, um, PTSD potential issues, um, and just uh, some some military scandals that have unfortunately broken the trust of what really has been the strongest institution in the United States. Um, in terms of you know just research and polling, the military still polls as the highest regarded institution uh, as a whole, right? So. It's still America's number one regarded institution, but trust has come down. So where it's like 89 to 90 percent of people used to say, you know, we trust the military. They're the number one institution. That number is hovering around like 50 percent to 51 percent. Other institutions have come down, you know, equally as much. Right. Congress is polling low as well as it sort of it always does. But um, that trust has sort of decreased in the past couple of, of years. And that's sort of an issue. Um, so, so that's specifically why they're not maybe going into the military. I think what could be particularly interesting for your viewers is some of the findings I've had uh, about Gen Z, the consumer, about who Gen Z is. So if you're okay with that, I guess I can jump into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Perfect. So I think a huge um, misconception about this generation that's, that's very important. So there are three key events that define the American Gen Z experience. And that was the first one. Being So we were not old enough to experience 9-11. 9-11 was the fundamental event for many Americans' lives, uh, many millennial lives, millennials and Gen Xers before, right? But Gen Z was not old enough. We were either not born, most of us were not born, or we were too you know, young. We were two years old. We, we don't actually have cognitive memories of that time. So the first real major world event that happened when we were going through elementary school was the great financial crisis, right? So the great financial crisis, this macro global uh, financial breakdown, that was sort of the first event to happen. The second event to happen uh, was the 2016 very divisive 
um, Trump-Clinton election, regardless of whatever side you, you voted for or believe in. It was a very divisive election. It was where we were forming our political beliefs and starting our, some of us to actually vote. That happened, and that was a super big impact. And the third, obviously, was the COVID pandemic. The COVID pandemic struck Z um, when many were in middle school, high school, college, sort of in these formative educational years. So with those three events, um, we're much more pragmatic. We realize the world is not as safe or stable as maybe the millennial generation. So we're much more pragmatic, much more focused on protecting what we have. Um, we like stability in that way a lot more. We're less, uh, I don't want to say global-minded, but we're, we're more understanding. We're, we're very global, but we're understanding that the world is not as safe as maybe it's seen. We're entering maybe a more unsafe period than before. Um, so, so what does that manifest in? What are some things that manifests? Uh, and obviously, besides these three events, underlying all of that was the um, technology revolution where most Gen Z Americans came with an iPhone in their hand and Facebook and Instagram, uh, you know, fully apparent and ready, right? Which I'm sure uh, your viewers are aware of, right? Social media marketing, but social media in general is a huge part of our upbringing now. So with those things happening, how does that manifest? Millennials in America, a big marketing slogan, sort of a derogatory attack on millennials was that they were the everyone gets a trophy generation in the u.s almost every uh, child plays some sort of sport growing up in elementary school it's a very big you know youth sports are a huge institution in the u.s um so everyone gets a trophy was this thing that happened in the millennial time sort of a coddling of the american youth of basically parents wanting to give everything to their kids and even if you lost in a soccer game or a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game, you still got a trophy because you showed up and participated. And so there's this trope that millennials were very soft and they weren't um, they weren't toughened and they weren't, uh, you know, if they just showed up, they expected a trophy. Gen Z is not like that. Gen Z is very different. Gen Z is a very competitive, innately competitive generation. Because from the first time that a fifth grader in elementary school in Gen Z posted a photo or video on Instagram or on Facebook, they got likes or they got dislikes. They got comments or not comments. So they instantly were judged and rated by their peers, right? And that created this sense of competition in their mind. So Gen Z, the consumer is competitive, right? The Gen Z consumer wants to, to show, I don't want to say show off, but will compete with other consumers in various niche aspects, right? And that's an interesting marketing trope to Gen Z itself, that we're a competitive generation. We're not everyone gets a trophy. We understand there are winners and there are losers. And most of us obviously want to strive and be winners, but that's sort of um, sort of an interesting point. Um, good to – I can keep going and just keep hitting – if you're good, I'll just keep spewing some key marketing things. Are yeah, I, I, I will ask you more questions uh, Certainly, Matthew. But are you you are a yourself a Gen Z member, and you have yes. joined the forces. So, how how is it that what is it that led to your joining? And several like you must have joined that keeps that recruitment is keep is happening, but maybe at a lower rate. So, what is it that attracted you, and what is it that is not attracting others? And you could also be one of them, but you are there talking about this. No, it's a it's a great question. So. What attracted me, I like to say there was internal and external motivations. When you ask almost any military member, they're going to give the internal motivation of I'm patriotic. I wanted to serve the nation. Um, I wanted to be part of something bigger. I wanted to challenge myself. Those are things you'll very much often hear with uh, you know, Generation Z military service members. 
But for me personally, and I think a lot of us now, which is a new Gen Z specific thing, is an external motivation, is that the military is the best place in America to get leadership skills. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an advancement of your career. It's, it's an investment in yourself, right? There's most American presidents up until recent times have all served in the military, every single one actually, up until um, Obama, Trump, and Biden have served in the military. So before that, every single one had basically is almost a voting requirement, had to have military service. And they, most of the large executives of Fortune 500 companies in the U.S. have also had some, some hint of military service just because it's such a good leadership factory, if you can call it that, or leadership training. It's the best leadership training you can get. So I personally, from my own career, my own investment was was interested in that. And I think a lot of my peers are similar. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, on the flip side of why they're not joining now, no longer see that patriotic calling, those internal motivators, and they've not been exposed to that external benefit of the military, of it being a leadership factory, of a teaching, of it really being an amazing experience. And that's one of the things the military has to work on and do better at sort of explaining that, hey, these things that were around that built the country for the past 100 years are still around. We just have to bring that to the generation and compete you know, for views and for time with all the other things that are trying to you know, get their views and their time. Right. Right, Matthew. You, you have spoken well. Now, uh, let me ask you a few questions I will try to understand from that perspective. I know your position. I, I don't want to ask those questions which you will be uncomfortable to answer. That's Feel okay. free not to answer if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. let me ask you in as best a manner so that at least we are able to understand that perspective. But my whole intention is not to put you into any trouble. But no, that's okay. okay. I, I won't. I won't get myself in in trouble because. Because the I'll say the following disclaimer: nothing I say uh, will be official statement. Right? This is not the government of the United States speaking. This is not the particular part of the armed forces that I'm in speaking. This is simply a personal citizen. You know, I'm not wearing a uniform right now. Um, this is my own thoughts. So I'm allowed to speak as I want, but nothing will be. I won't get myself in trouble. There's, you don't have to worry. Absolutely. I, yeah. The questions are just very people uh, uh, simple ones. Just talking between two. Friends, yep. except that it is on air and we are trying to understand that. One of the reasons was, and, and uh, giving all the due to all the valor and, uh, you know, achievements of the armed forces everywhere, the Hollywood used to play a big role. And that, you know, a lot of people outside the U.S. know about U.S. more through Hollywood about that sort of an aspect. Now, World has changed. Hollywood has also changed. New movies have started coming in there. More understanding the global people are also looking at the world much more in a global sense. The young generation there, the young generation here. Like we see, we are talking very openly, very clearly and through that, through the use of technology. Exactly. Now that technology is everyone's hands. That mm -hmm. has also dawned in everybody in the definition of an enemy. Now, only a selling of a patriotism does not work. It has to work on a much more holistic level. For example, you know, let's look at the uh, at the world after 2000. Say uh, for the uh, during the Iran uh, during the Iraq weapons of mass destruction. 
those weapons never came came in front of the world so people understand these things maybe not in that point in time your political mission is accomplished but later on it becomes part of the open history for the world to see everybody whether in the us or outside they read they know about these things and they know so everything then more public opinions even in the armed forces there have been videos i have seen when people have accused that listen i lost many friends in iraq i lost many so those things keep on coming and people know about it they also know about that there is a lot of politics a young person will not like to see politics as they are being told they will like to see politics the way they see it the way they understand it already there are stories of earlier ones the vietnam war there is that generation which is telling them those stories and so and that is where i said the definition of enemy is changing with time and it is not just about the us i guess people are thinking much much more globally you are talking to the so called enemies face to face many a times in this you know information highway and that is where only the political uh, political line will not work it has to be though people are all everywhere they are all patriotic for their country this is i guess one of the things in the secondly i'll tell you what and i don't know how far it is true this is all about movies but recently i'm still watching this old you know uh, serial or a series called seals and that those are supposed to be the sophisticated ones seals uh, uh, there is a series yes. i don't know if you have watched it yeah yeah in yeah. that seals, i got yeah. maybe seals yes. in that yeah. one thing i got a sense was these are the elite people these were one of the top performers who do the difficult job sometimes dirty job that even the uh, toughest of people would not like to do and yes. i found and along with my wife i was watching it and i found that these guys are in deep financial crisis while they are going on missions they are worried about their mortgage they are worried about their children okay education and the master chief has to sell his house to get his children educated now those messages obviously the, if i am getting that sort of a message that message is also going to the to the people in the us what message do they get that in spite of being the best in spite of doing the best in spite of risking your life every time you know somebody as they say some cake eater will will define your role define your future and that is that is i guess a lot of young generation does not uh, look look at secondly there was this case there in that movie it's a movie, it's, it's it's a film at the end of the day but obviously it reflects some truth there that in the case of a bread swan there was this character he shoots himself because his mental condition after a bomb you know after a bomb blast or whatever happened it is not getting recorded because at that point in time he was more thinking about that situation and there is the scene where he is talking about an mri and the doctor does not allow it in india an mri cost just a few thousand rupees maybe 30 dollars i was aghast to see that an because an mr for a, uh, because of a lack of an mri whatever reasons anybody gave you know there can be such a situation uh, where you know the main lead character calls him a legend and the legend kills himself so these sort of messages do not get lost on the world this is a very different world and perhaps that is where uh, you know we should not think that the young generation is not interested 
they are interested but they are not interested in your politics anyway they are interested in patriotism they are interested in serving the country they are interested in serving the people they are interesting uh, doing a job where they know that they are actually doing the job that they are supposed to do and not uh, wa washing somebody's uh, uh, dirty stuff for them and that should not really so this is what my understanding is i want to understand your views how how can my this is not just a question how can you find a solution amidst so many things that have come out in public is there for everybody and the young generation has options today why will he risk his life when he can become a creator and 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 have a chance to build a life around that help us understand what is the way out that you have written about the problem how do you see that future planning for the especially the us military Absolutely. So it's a, it's a it's a great question, and and I'll be the first to say that even though the book has twenty one chapters and each chapter has a very specific solution, um, there's no uh, full answer for for anyone, right? There's no exact you know final answer that is able to successfully say this is you know you do this and you you solve the military recruiting crisis. It's what we would call a wicked problem, which has a lot of thorny things around it. There's no one solution, but I do think the following. I think that. Um, American military as an institution is one of is, is the world's finest, right? Definitely as a military, yes. but also as a institution is one of America's strongest institutions. And it has a lot of good going for it, a lot of good history and still a lot of good in it, even if it has had struggles uh, in recent years in certain aspects of taking care of people or perception issues or whatever. And I, I am optimistic the problem can get solved if we do a, a few of the things I implement in the book and a few, uh, you know, discussions. I think the most important thing is that people act, we know this from capitalism, free markets, that people act in a self-interested way. So even when someone goes and they join a team, right, which is a communal group interest, and they'll sacrifice their sometimes their life for the team, and you've probably seen that in the show that you're referencing about SEALs, they'll, they'll literally die for the team. They're still acting in a self-interested way, right? They're doing something because they believed in it, or they wanted to better themselves, or they wanted the, the benefit of being on a team, the feeling camaraderie of being on a team so all these things um play into sort of people only are going to pick a career path that benefits them and i like to use the quote we're the social network generation true but the military in the u.s is the world's greatest physical social network so it's not a social network like social network facebook online it's a physical actually existing social network and it's the strongest if i go with a fellow um military member in the u.s we instantly have a connection that's unlike anyone else in society. I instantly can trust that person. I instantly have similar language we can talk, similar things that we can learn. It's why so many military members like to hire each other. They work in each other's companies. It's really an awesome and powerful group to be in, basically. And so for that reason, I think that as long as we can get back to demonstrating the benefits of that physical social network and what that actually means, and that is it is the greatest network to join, basically, then you'll continually be able to attract Gen Z, who's used to the benefits of social online social networks, to actually joining the physical social networks. So I'm optimistic. I think the problem will get solved um, slowly uh, if we make incremental changes. And I hope uh, in a couple of years the book will be obsolete and they won't need to implement any other things anymore. But hopefully the book starts as a good guide, a good discussion and a good starting point. So, yeah, I appreciate it. This was uh, this was great. Thank you. Absolutely. And one thing, you know, you you are a second lieutenant. You will grow in rank, but you are talking about it. It's you can only do little. 
it is not your problem. There are higher ups and bigger, bigger higher ups. What are they doing about it? It is again, you don't have to answer that. But why is not a book like that coming from those people whose responsibility is to see that that the problem is addressed in the right man, manner? Because obviously, it is good that Uncle Sam is back in business, but it all depends on you know how much the trust is, and you can only put as much as trust that is possible in your hands by doing whatever you are doing. But what what do you see? When will be Uncle Sam back in business? How does it look like? I think it'll take at least five years of positive recruiting trends to actually see the numbers hit. I have great respect for my leaders. They're working every day at this. They're, they're really doing a great job of trying to make this change. It's not easy. It's not simple. It's not just military policy change. It's also societal, um, you know, U.S. domestic change. I think for myself... Uh, I had to write the book because I felt that I could give the perspective of Gen Z. I am a member myself of being young I'm in my 20s, early 20s, a member of Gen Z. Right. And so I was able to be able to give that perspective. And that's important. Um, so with that, I do think the if we continue to have these conversations, the book is really just a purpose to start a conversation to show the higher ups what our generation myself is thinking. And then basically have these conversations. That's the way that you that you move forward and try to come up with some of these issues. So that's it. Just starting a conversation, bringing together old and new, bringing the leaders with the lower line um, people at the tactical level, as we would say, like myself being a young, you know, bottom uh, lieutenant. Um, so that's sort of uh, the way to do it. So, yeah. Right, right. Hopefully what you so, uh, say uh, that comes true soon. And in fact, in the situation in India is totally different. There is a long, long, uh, you know, people really want to get into the armed forces. Exactly, exactly. We, and it's and it's it's like, it's yeah. if they will break yeah. all the barriers, you know, there is almost yep. like a difficult, if you know about it, difficult. You yep, just absolutely. Yeah, I've tracked people, it. Yep. Many people yep. want to get into the armed forces. And, and you know, uh, that is there. Every, uh, I, I, you can say that we are, we are much more higher in number, but I guess there are other opportunities also, but still people yeah. are preparing to get into the armed forces. So maybe some of your people can look at why this young generation here was wanting to get in there and not that people back at your home. So yeah. uh, uh, that is there too. In case you have the book, you can show it to us. Otherwise, we will certainly share the link in the show notes. Yes, People can certainly. I don't even have a physical copy, but you have the link in the show notes. There's a website that you guys can go on. You can read the reasons, which I think are interesting for your viewers, the marketing aspects of them. Um, and yeah, this was great. Thank you so much uh, for, for this awesome, awesome interview. I appreciate it. And it is a great honor. It is a pleasure to talk to you, Matthew, and, and learn so much about what's happening on the other side of the world. This is Unthankful exactly. Podcasting. That is has given me the chance to talk to several of the people from the U.S. Army, all even Air Force, and, and this is you know I feel very very good. I also try and talk to Indian Armed Forces people, and gives me different perspective from a lot of uh, different places. So that's uh, that's it's nice to talk to you. With this, Absolutely. it's a wrap. With with this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us.